0: not in his physical memory, but in his memory from the, from the writings in the Old Testament about the Genesis flood, he says, God is able, through the great power he has, to sustain his people. You know, I want to amplify this issue because there's this particular thing that I, I feel we need to understand what David is saying here. So we're going to go to the New Testament for amplification. And the first amplification that I want to see, want us to see, is from Ephesians chapter 1. Very familiar passage of scripture to many of us. Uh, where It's part of Paul's first prayer in the book of Ephesians for the believers at the church at Ephesus. All right, so let's go to verse 18. And he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart would be opened or illuminated that you might know or experience have knowledge of hope that he has called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, in you. And here it is, verse 19, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's God's people. And then the apostle goes on to amplify, and I want you to listen carefully, that power That power that the Apostle Paul wanted the church to experience, he wanted the heart to be enlightened that they would experience it, that power, Paul says, is like the working of his, here's the word, mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, so we understand that the power that God gives to his people, the power that Paul the Apostle wanted the church at Ephesus to to know is a resurrection power, is a power that not only protects and raises up but gives fresh new life and the ability to produce life. That's what God gives to his people. That's basically what David was saying. Now listen, resurrection power is not of you. It's not of me. It's actually of God. And what this word strength is saying in the first part of Psalm 29, verse 11, is that God actually gives his people his strength. He imparts his strength to you, brother and sister. Think of it. He just doesn't come along and say, ah, come on. Pick up, grab your bootstraps. You can do it. I'm right by your side. No, he says, here is part of me. Receive part of my strength, divine strength. As a matter of fact, that's a wonderful thought, isn't it? Wonderful thought. So the second uh, amplification that we have out of the New Testament for this understanding of strength is out of the second epistle of Peter, chapter 1. I mean, you could, Pastor Mark, we could preach a series of messages out of this First grouping of scriptures in pass in uh, First Peter chapter uh, Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter one. But listen to this. Here it is again. His divine power, speaking of God, His divine power has given. Let me let me personalize this. Has given you everything you need for life and godliness through your increasing knowledge and experience of him who called you to by his own glory. God called you. And the, the apostle goes on to say, <laughs> through this, you are able to participate or experience the divine nature. Can you see the fact that God is giving you something of himself when David says the Lord will give strength to his people? The overarching, powering strength that God himself has. So the way I like to see it, or the way I like to paraphrase this particular uh, phrase in the psalm is not just the Lord gives his people strength, but the lo- gives his people strength, but the Lord gives his people his strength. Those are two very different phrases. Both are true, but the one, the Lord gives you his strength? Think of it. My friend, think of it. Whatever you're facing today, and let me just say that everybody knows we're in the midst of a crisis right now, but crisis is not a new thing. Ever since sin entered the human race, in Genesis chapter 3, crisis has been an experience that every human experiences and more than one in their life. So while we are in the midst of a crisis now, and we are longing for being out of that crisis, the next one's just around the corner. There may be magnitude in crisis, small, large, but every crisis is relevant. What and, and when you are in crisis, it's not small. No matter what it is, it's large. I understand that. God understands that. That's why... As David pondered the lightning, the thunder, the wind that twisted the oaks of Lebanon, if you read those verses 3 through 9 and snap them, that's why David said, this power, this God is powerful. And he's going to give some of that power to his people. Well, that's that first phrase in Psalm 11. Let's go to phrase B, all right? So the first phrase was the Lord will give his strength to his people. Second phrase is the Lord will bless his people with peace. Now the word peace in Hebrew is salom. Or we, in English we, we say shalom a lot. And uh, it's often used as, as a greeting or a parting word, peace. Peace to your house, peace unto you. But this word, peace, this Hebrew word, shalom, is a massive word. It's absolutely massive. And there is no one English word, although that shalom is translated into peace in the English language, there's no one English word that, that covers it. Let me give you just a few of the meanings. meanings it means well-being, beyond your health, well be- at ease with your personhood, feeling that you have value and that you have worth. Wholeness is another word that's encompassed by this. Wholeness. Safety is part of it. Prosperity is part of it. Happiness is part of it. You know, the only thing that can compare with this is the eternal kingdom that we're bound for, brothers and sisters. You see... That's why the human heart longs for peace. Because regardless of what some might think, we weren't made for anguish. We weren't made for stress. We weren't made for war. We weren't made to fight. Inside the DNA of every person who was made in the likeness of God is the longing for wholeness now in our search for that we go in a lot of directions but the Shalom of God is what encompasses eternity forever or a word that we're more accustomed with heaven careful reading of the end of the age scriptures tells us that God takes care of all of the things that cause stress and all of the things that cause brokenness and he gets rid of them all and what's left wholeness God blesses his people with peace. Now, let's amplify that for using the New Testament as well. So let's go to first to John chapter 14. The whole chapter of of 14 of John, Jesus is comforting his disciples because they're just starting to grapple with the aspect that great crisis is coming. Jesus is trying to tell them they don't want to hear it. Great crisis is coming. For the sake of time, I won't amplify that anymore. Then we will go to verse 27 of John, chapter 14, where Jesus says to his disciples, and I would like you, in an effort to cause the scripture to come alive to you, to picture yourself. You've seen pictures of Jesus. You've seen artist renderings of the disciples. We're sitting with Jesus. We're not understanding everything. But all of a sudden, he pauses and takes the time to look around to everyone in the room, catches their eye, and then he says this. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. That's the phrase I want you to hang on to. Whose peace? When we think of peace, we think of someone coming and getting rid of all the, the problems uh, that cause to disrupt my peace, settling things out, stopping the argument, stopping the anger. That's part of it. But, but you see, I can have peace in the midst of all of those things because Jesus imparts that. Jesus gives it. And he goes on to say, the peace I give to you is not like the world gives. It's different. They can't replicate it. And that's what David was talking about in the psalm. He said God will give his strength to his people. And God will bless his people with peace. As you're listening this morning, I just need to add this in. Scripture clearly states, and David says, God will do this for his people. His people. He will give strength to his people. He will bless his people with peace. God desires to give peace to the whole world. But to become part of God's people, you need to receive Christ as your personal Savior. You need to confess your sins and cry out to him to save your soul. And at the end, Pastor Mark has a, a prayer that's uh, shined, uh, shown on the screen and I encourage you to take a moment if you've never done that to surrender your heart to the Lord. Then you become God's people and he is able to give you his strength and his peace. So this verse 11 that caught my attention is powerful. Let's go to one other amplification out of the New Testament and for that, we go to uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and verse 14 where Paul is writing to the church and he says, speaking of Jesus, he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. So when you receive Christ as your Savior, when you place him on the throne, when you let him reign, what you get in return is peace. Doesn't mean there's not a storm coming. Doesn't mean you might not be in the midst of a storm today. But God gives you something that no storm can take away. And that's what we need to perceive. In this crisis, when fear is governing a major portion of the population of the United States, I'm going to ask you, I wish I could see you face to face. Do you have peace? Do you have peace? Do you have strength so that you're not bound by fear? Now, I'm not advocating carelessness. But I'm saying when this crisis passes, there will be another crisis that comes. Will you have strength To remain steadfast to remain in faith and not doubting God will you have peace in your heart and mind so that you can think clearly and rationally you will if you're God's child if you're his people now here's my paraphrase of that verse so in the midst of crisis whether large or small, nationwide or personal, God imparts himself to us, his own strength to us to remain steadfast and unmoved by fear. And he imparts and gives us his own peace to guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. I want to give you one more scripture. Um, That's out of Philippians chapter 4. Let me read it to you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Here it is. This goes out over over the technological airways. It goes and confronts the coronavirus and all the hype about it. Here's what the Lord says. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer, with thanksgiving, brothers and sisters, don't forget to be thankful during this time. Don't let thankfulness leak away as though it were water leaking out of a, a rusty pail with, with, with holes in the bottom. Keep the thanksgiving coming. Thank the Lord that you have life. Thank him that you've got family. Thank him for this and for that yesterday. Yesterday, I poked my head out before I had my morning coffee in the backyard. I just breathe in the air and listen to the birds. And all of a sudden, through the robins and the finches were singing, there comes this song that I remember hearing in Florida. And in Florida, June and I, when we're able to s- spend a little time there, we go to uh, Melbourne Beach. And there are mockingbirds around there. And if you never heard a mockingbird, You'll become thankful that God made copycats, because a mockingbird has this unique ability to reproduce as its own song the songs of a variety of birds that it hears. And so I heard this, and I said to myself, "Oh my goodness, that's a mockingbird." I saw it up in the tree. I put goggles on, or glasses on it, and then I said, "Oh Lord, please let that bird nest <laughs> right around my backyard." I love their songs. So much, and that was a major bunny trail. <laughs> God gives peace to his people, so our hearts will not faint. Let me finish this passage. Well, I think that's good. That's good for that passage. Well, what about verse ten? I said there was it was ten, verse ten, and eleven that that occupied uh, my attention. Verse 10 speaks about the fact that the Lord is always enthroned. So let's say it this way. Even times when we can't perceive it, God's in charge. Nothing's getting out of hand with God. Now that's quite a statement. And it It takes quite a bit of faith and challenge to line that up with all that's happening around the world. But it's the truth. The virus hasn't displaced God. It hasn't pushed him off his throne. He's still able to do the things for his people that are his. So I want to leave you with a couple of word pictures so that you have a a picture in your mind. I, I deal a lot with pictures in my mind. Um, and they helped me. So the first picture I wanna leave with you, I am, I am reading a fascinating book called The Wilderness World of John Muir. And John Muir lived uh, in the middle, to middle of the 1800s. I think he died and passed in uh, 1914. He is the man who is almost solely responsible for uh, the preservation of the Yosemite National Park and also uh, he was involved in the creation of the Grand Canyon, King's Canyon, Petrified Forest, and Mount Rainier National Parks. He was a self-proclaimed naturalist, and he walked all over this land and had journals, tons and tons of journals. I'm reading this book. It's fascinating to see uh, our country through the eyes of this man recorded in detail from those years, well over 100 years ago. So here's one small uh, entry to his journal. Now, I was reading this subsequent to pondering this psalm, and the minute I read this, I said, I've got to use this in this message. So here it is. He's in Cuba for about three weeks. He says in his journal entry, one day, when walking along the coral shores of Cuba gathering shells I find it I found a tiny fragile purple flower with its circlets of petal confidently opened to the bright tropical sun are you starting to get a picture work at it It lived in the coral rocks along the edge of the ocean that were washed by the heavy white-capped waves from every storm coming down from the north. In these northers, N-O-R-T-H-E-R-S, storms from the north, in these northers, the dread of semen, wave after wave rolled over this small flower, tons in weight. Sufficient to crush a ship. But the little purple plant, tended by its maker, simply closed its petals and crouched low in its crevice of a home and enjoyed the storm in safety. Is that poignant? It's a picture. Now I want to amplify that picture very quickly with one of my favorite passages from the old testament if you'll turn to ezekiel 33 you may know where i'm going already if you don't i I encourage you to uh put a bookmark in there and spend some time in ezekiel or in exodus 33 did i say ezekiel i'm sorry i meant exodus beg your pardon a little rusty pastor mark So here's the setting. God's talking to Moses, wants him to lead the people. Moses is reluctant. Moses says, don't, if you go with me, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll lead them. And the Lord finally says to him, okay, I'll I'll go with you. I'll lead you. And then Moses says, and one last thing, show me your glory. So this is such an intimate passage but there's a picture, a word picture, that should immediately connect with the excerpt I read from John Muir's writings. Here we go. <coughs> the Lord talking to Moses in verse 19, Exodus 33. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Now, and I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion Now get this, verse 20. Here's your picture. But you cannot see my face. No one can see me and live. What God is saying, he is absolutely too awesome. We need to be resurrected in our new glorious bodies to be in the presence of the Lord. That's basically what he's saying. Verse 21. Catch this. Please catch this. But the Lord said to Moses, there is a place, every word in this, catch every there is a place this is god speaking near me where you may stand on a rock every word significant and when my glory passes by i will put you in the cleft in the rock and and i will cover you with my hand now think of that little purple flower on the rocky coral shores of Cuba. Petals outstretched to the sunlight, but when the storm comes, it just retreats into shelter of the cleft of the rock. Jesus, my brothers and sisters, is our rock. And the moment when God imparts his strength and blesses you with his peace, He takes you from standing on the rock that is Jesus, and he puts you in the cleft of the atonement scar in Jesus' side. And he puts his hand over it as though saying, this is my work. My son has you on one side, and I have you on the other. this is the message that I felt the Lord wanted me to bring to you. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, regardless of what the winds blow, regardless of what the nations do, you can have the strength of God and you will be blessed by God with his very own Let me pray with you here and then we'll be finished today. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, I pray for all those watching and listening and who may listen and watch at a later date that this word, out of your word, would take on a life of its own as they read it and as they hear it And it, your peace would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus through this storm of life and any storms that may come, amen. In a moment, that prayer will be flashed up on the screen. Again, I encourage you to make it your prayer today.